True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Which players are we avoiding this season? I have a feeling the Dodgers fans out there are not going to be very happy with us. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Sample joined as always by Scott White and Chris Towers. We've already done the positive stuff. We gave you the sleepers, the breakouts. So today, unfortunately, is the negative. And we will be talking busts, plus we have position battles and some news from the weekend. What's going on, Chris? You feeling better, buddy? I am feeling better. Thank you. Thank you. It was. I, I got through it this weekend. Saturday was my last my last day feeling under the weather, but I'm good now. Very good to hear. Happy to hear that Chris Towers back on the program. Scott, how was the weekend? A wild one? Oh, wild. Just so much so many wild <laughs> things happened. I can hear it As I, in your voice. Yeah, yeah. Um trying to remember if I put on shoes this weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> I went to the grocery store. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yes. Um, All right. So that lets, you know, that gives you everything you need to know about our lives and what we've got going on here. But let's start with busts. Let's start up at the top. Who is your number one bust? Basically, someone that you are not going to draft. I mean, everyone has a price. If they fall to a certain point, I'm sure you would consider them. But just normally when you see this player, you look the other way. Let's get things started with Chris. Welcome back. Who is your number one bust, Chris? Yeah, so you know, my first thought when I when I saw this question was Denelson Lamette. And then I realized that I'm pretty sure I either took him or was about to take him in TGFBI. So I guess that's not quite accurate because I think he had fallen outside of the top one hundred. Uh so I will go with a player who's not falling ever, and that's Eloy Jimenez. Uh his ADP is inside the top thirty six. And I just can't bring myself to pay a premium for a guy who pretty much projects even in a optimistic scenario to be a three category contributor. Um, and even in head to head points, you know, I don't think the outlook's all that much better. He is a relatively high strikeout rate. He's not Joey Gallo, but he's been at, you know, right around 25% through the first two seasons of his career. He's been a very low walk rate, below 6% for his career. Um, and so you kind of need him to be, at minimum, like a 30 homer, 100 RBI guy, maybe not 100 RBI, maybe 90 RBI. 
to, you know, really feel good about that investment in the third round. And I, I just, I think you can get similar production elsewhere. You know, it's a lot to bet on him being a, a good source of batting average, a plus source of power, a plus source of RBI, given the fact that he hasn't stolen a base in a game since 2017 and um, is on, I think his 150 game pace over the course of his first two seasons is like 81 runs or something. It's, it's pretty low, um, which is to be expected for a low on base, uh, slow guy. He, over the last 15 seasons, there have been two players in Major League Baseball to have over 30 home runs, over 100 RBI, while striking out more than 24% of the time and walking less than 6.5% of the time. That's Javier Baez and Alfonso Soriano, obviously slightly different players, but I think that actually kind of highlights the the risk with Eloy Jimenez because the bat has to be excellent for him to justify this price. You know, when you're talking about a third round pick, you're not just talking about very good power hitters. You know, very good power hitters can go in the seventh, eighth round or later. You know, like Michael Conforto doesn't go in the third round. So, you know, the the kind of players that you're passing up on for Eloy Jimenez, I just, it's a profile that's too easy to find. Yeah. And he hits a lot of ground balls. You know, he is like a 50% ground ball guy. So it's not necessarily a guarantee that he's a plus power guy. I think with Eloy, the ground ball thing doesn't worry me as much because I think it's similar sure. to Juan Soto where when he hits the ball in the air, it's just so hard. Like you look sure. at the barrel rate, it's still really great for Eloy Jimenez. But the points that you've made about the walk rate and his uh, specifically the runs are going to be not bad for him. But I mean, realistically, you're probably projecting somewhere between 80 and 85 runs scored for Eloy Jimenez. Even as good as the White Sox lineup is, he does have a bit of an injury history as well. Yeah, I mean, I you've I'm not going to say I won't draft him, but you've you've opened my eyes a little bit more to uh to that runs category being a potential issue for Eloy Jimenez. Uh, if you're on the clock towards the end of the third, early fourth round, well, rather let me ask you this. How low would he have to fall for you to actually consider taking him? I think I have him closer to 50th overall. Um try to check that right now, but I I think that's where I have him. Um, Scott, forty uh, seventh overall. So end of the fourth round. It's not like a huge difference, but even there, I, you know, if he was there at the forty seventh, like you're looking at, I have Aaron Judge ahead of him. I know that's mm-hmm. not near really the consensus at all, but I just think there are better ways to find that profile. Scott, are you as hesitant on Eloy Jimenez? I mean, I have him ranked fifty third. So, uh, oh, all right. I'm <laughs> even more than I do. Chris, there. I, I no, don't. You really have a lot him. more. You have a lot more pitchers than I do. In t- probably, he's probably just getting pushed down. Although I do have Aaron Judge ahead of Jimenez as well. Um, but I don't know. I don't really see him as a a bust. I, I mean, I think the floor is still pretty high. It may be. It may be a situation where he slightly underperforms his draft position. Uh, I, I do think his his ADP is probably projecting another step forward. I mean, you, you mentioned the strikeout rate, the walk rate. I I think it's very likely both of those trend the correct direction. But both of those move the correct direction this year. You, oftentimes, you see as players establish themselves as middle of the order threats, they start walking more, which is probably why you don't see many thirty homer, one hundred RBI guys over the past decade with a walk rate as low as Jimenez's was last year. Um, cause pitchers pitch around them more, 
but you know, I, it's yeah. fine. I, I think he's probably going a little too early. It's one of those things where it's less like, I don't see a catastrophic season, mm-hmm. uh, but like I could really easily see him hitting 265 with 30 homers and, and 90 RBI and being good, you know, being solid, but you know, not outperforming Nick Castellanos who goes a lot later than him or Giancarlo Stanton who goes a lot later than him. So it's, it's more for me about uh, the profile being relatively easily easy to replace, making him a, a worse value. And it's a good point that you bring up because there are different kinds of busts. Obviously, you know there are guys that we think com- can completely bottom out, and then there are guys that we just think are overvalued. And maybe you can get similar production from players that are going later, much later than uh, mm-hmm. someone like Eloy Jimenez, who Chris mentioned, and a few other names that uh, that I'll mention later on as well. Scott, who is yeah. your number one bust this season? My number one bust is Teoscar Hernandez. I've mentioned it a few times before. Uh, he obviously took a huge step forward in a very short season last year, and that 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 kind of is the, the, the crux of the issue, that um, as good as his numbers were, small sample... And it's not like the whole profile changed. It's just he always hit the ball hard. It's just he hit it exceptionally hard during that small sample. His plate discipline was still horrendous. I mean, Aloy Jimenez looks like Joey Votto compared to Teoscar Hernandez, you know. Um, and it was it it didn't get any better last year. He just hit the ball really hard for two months, which I don't know. Looks to me like a hot streak, and it it looks to me like that small sample noise we're going to have to. Uh, we're going to have to figure out how to tune out for certain players. I think Teoscar Hernandez, uh, given that there wasn't widespread changes to his profile and given that he was this fourth outfielder type before that, um, I do not have a lot of confidence in him continuing at the rate he set last year. Teoscar Hernandez, the ADP, according to Fantasy Pros, is 78.8. And by the way, Fantasy Pros ADP now has CBS ADP included as well, so it's nice to see that. Uh, so we have another uh, outlet to add to the aggregate average draft position. But uh, yeah, Teoscar Hernandez, the 22nd outfielder off the board over on Fantasy Pros. Scott, who would you rather have, Teoscar Hernandez or Charlie Blackman, who's actually going two spots after him? I should point out Teoscar Hernandez tends to walk more than Aloy Jimenez. It's just the strikeout rate is up. Over 30%. It's awful. Uh, who are you asking me about? Hernandez or who? Charlie Blackman. Oh, Blackman. How about Teoscar versus Nick Castellanos? Castellanos. How about Austin Meadows, Scott? Are you getting more excited about Austin Meadows? I, I've moved on. I've moved off. Uh, I've moved Austin <laughs> Meadows up quite a bit. He's already up to three home runs this spring. And just... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a harder time believing, believing my own concerns about him. So who would you rather have? Hernandez or Meadows? Meadows. 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 Nice. Yeah. Chris, I think you're off Teoscar as well, right? Yeah, I don't I don't love him. He's in my boss column. I He's another guy where I do think there might be a relatively high floor, but I think people are projecting. Um, like Scott said, they're just there wasn't as much of a skills change as there was in the pa- in the actual production. And I think it's, um, it's more likely than not that he goes back to being a low 800s OPS guy who, um, you know, potentially loses playing time. 
I don't want to spend a quarter of the podcast talking about two guys, but it, it's interesting to me you say you see Teoscar Hernandez as having a high floor because the previous two years he hit 235 with a 304 on base percentage. And they're overloaded in the outfield. Randall Gritchick is out uh, for the time being because they signed George Springer. Uh, and uh, yeah, that 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 pushed that pushed an outfielder out. I I don't see why if Hernandez isn't like the guy he was in 2018, 2019. Because he, he was still okay. You know, he was still valuable. He hit 22 homers and 26 homers in the. In those I mean, Gritchick could do that though. Gritchick sure. could probably do that with better than a 235 batting average and 304 OPS. I mean, it probably oh, it probably be close between yeah. the two, but I, I I don't know I. Hernandez hadn't really established himself as a trustworthy full-time player until last year over the 50 games that he played. So I, I think the, I think there is bottom out potential here. Speaking of bottoming out potential, I have one Max Scherzer as my SP 14 in the rankings this year. And I don't think that I'm going to have any shares of Max Scherzer, a 30 near 37 year old, Starting pitcher who has dealt with recurring neck and back injuries. Uh, if you if you don't want to put much stock into last year, then you're probably going to be fine drafting Max Scherzer. But a 3.74 ERA, 1.38 WHIP last year. The walks per nine were up over three, his most since 2010. And his both his average exit velocity against and hard hit rates were the highest uh, since Statcast began tracking data back in 20. 15. So for Scherzer, he's allowing harder contact. The BABIP and the batting average against have been on the rise each of the past two seasons as well for Scherzer. So the ADP is 25.4, goes right around that 2-3 turn. This definitely has the potential to make me look absolutely foolish, and I realize that, but there's just something here between the age and, and the injuries that he's dealt with, and it seems like the production's kind of lagging as well now. Uh, for all those reasons, I could just see, you know, Everything falling apart for Max Scherzer, so I, I will not have many shares. Uh, Chris, I don't know if if you'd like to retort because I know you have him as your SP four, which is quite the difference. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think anytime you're talking about a guy with with his age, uh, thirty seven years old, who you know dealt with back injuries, I, I will point out that the back injuries were two years ago. He made it through twenty twenty without any back issues. He was pulled from one start, but that was with a hamstring issue. But I. I and I could be wrong, but I don't remember the back being an issue during the spring at all. Um, and it certainly wasn't during the season, but you guys can correct me if, if I'm remembering incorrectly. Um, you know, like the thing we're dealing with with the with last season is like the sample size is so small that his cape his walks per nine was the highest it's been in a long time, but eight of his 23 walks came in his first 13 innings, he had a 2.5 walks per nine from his fourth start to his final one. Uh, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense to really try to like excise certain things from this small sample size, given how small the sample size is. But uh, I will just say that the injuries are the only thing that concern me. I have no concerns about the performance. I think it's fair to put a red flag on anybody who reaches the age Scherzer does. Sure. Like I, I try to treat busts and, you know, we, we talked about this, Frank, with sleepers and breakouts where I have these different categories I have to fit players into. And so I try to be extra precise about who I fit into what category. You know, I, I write a column about ADP inefficiencies. And so, you know, just players I think are going too high 
that's kind of where I put them. But busts, I really try to reserve for this guy could just like bottom out and ruin you. It's hard to it's hard to maintain that standard for every pick, but that's what I try to do. And I think even though I act personally have a fair amount of confidence in Scherzer, I think it's fair anytime somebody reaches that age to say, okay, this is the year it could all sure. bottom out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going recent, to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And recent injuries and, you know, some underachievement last year, I think I, I think it's a reasonable case. I'm just not I'm just not willing to make it myself. Scott, who would you rather have between these old banged up starting pitchers, Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw? I'd rather have Scherzer. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm not willing to go where you're will, you're, where you're going with mm-hmm. him. I, I, I think he's going to beat Kershaw in innings. I think he's going to beat Kershaw significantly in strikeouts. And um, yeah, I'd rather have Scherzer. And when I say banged up, I'm, I'm obviously using the term very loosely. These guys are not banged up right now. In, in fact, they're both healthy. So cross your fingers and hope that that remains. Uh, but, you know, just older guys that have dealt with some stuff there. Uh, before we move on to some news and notes, I do want to promote some things and remind everybody that Paramount Plus is now live. You've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount spots featuring Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, and Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it's quite the squad. But Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, and new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this, it's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, which is coming very soon, more on that in just a bit, the Masters and Champions League Soccer, plus stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, the Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central. Live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment, Paramount Plus is streaming now. And for my college basketball fans that are out there, there are six tournaments, which means There are six chances to win $10,000. You can fill out one conference bracket or all of them. It's up to you. Conferences, we have the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, the Pac-12, SEC, and the Big East. You can create a pool with your friends or fill out brackets for your chance to win $10,000 on the CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com slash conference. And the moment you've all been waiting for, the Fantasy Baseball Today, listener leagues are back. Same as last year, we'll have two podcast leagues. One will be a 12-team head-to-head points league where you can compete against Scott and Chris. Plus, Adam and myself will be sharing a team. So that should be a lot of fun. And the other league, of course, is the For the People League, originally created, I think, by Heath Cummings, right? He was the by one Heath, who- to troll me. You don't have to keep the same settings he established. <laughs> FYI. Uh- I- I don't. I don't mind playing in a head-to-head categories league with the people, but I mean, come on. There, there, there are some absurdities there in the rules. I mean, there's something to be said for tradition, Scott. So, I mean, I think we got to stick with it at this point. The for the people league will be a 16-team head-to-head categories draft, and that will feature Scott, Chris, I think Heath, and I will be in it as well. That means there are 12 spots in that league, and there are nine spots available in the head-to-head points league. So 21 spots are available overall. The dates for both of these drafts will be Sunday, March 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern time for the head-to-head categories draft. That's the For the People League and the head-to-head points 
podcast league draft will be the next night. That is on Monday, March 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So before you try and enter for either of these leagues, please, please make sure that you can make the draft dates and times. Now, what is the contest? How do you get in? Last year, we had you send in some song submissions, but and those were amazing. They were absolutely mm. fantastic. But we've got to do something different. You know, for people who are not musically gifted, Chris has fantastic guitars behind him. Maybe we should have Chris make a song one day. Hmm. I never thought about this. Why didn't I just... Mm. All right. We'll talk, I actually Chris. started, like, writing <laughs> out a, uh, a version of uh, Shallow about Joey Gallo, but I couldn't quite... Uh, <laughs> I couldn't quite come up with the with the right one. So, if, if someone wants to write one, uh, may, maybe I'll sing it on yes. the pod. Okay, all right, cool. Let's let's make that happen. <laughs> uh, but for this year, what you need to do is we're going to test out those Photoshop skills. So that's right. Throw all of our faces, Scott, Chris, <laughs> Adam, myself, whatever you got. Uh, I want to see you crop some interesting images, and you know, come on, let's you know, keep it PG rated. But your favorite movies, your favorite TV shows, uh, a video game cover, a movie poster, whatever it might be, um, a favorite scene from something, whatever you have, send us some fun Photoshop stuff. Um, so that will be the the competition this year to get into the podcast leagues. Of course, we will give some spots away to those who don't have Photoshop and, and the ability to to crop because let's be honest, not everyone has the time or the wherewithal to make all that happen. So if you're in the military or if you're a frontline worker or if you just have an awesome story or reason why you should be in the league, please send it in. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. In the email address, put podcast league in the subject line and please let us know which league you want to be in between the head-to-head points league the for the people head-to-head categories league and once again congrats to the winners from last year steven lydic and mike carter they took down the both championships i made one of the championships i think it was the for the people league the head-to-head categories but one of these guys knocked me out so whatever i deserve it news and notes from the weekend jake odorizzi Signed a two-year deal with the Houston Astros. Odorizzi barely pitched last season due to injury, but he was actually quite awesome back in 2019. Finished with a 3.51 ERA, a 1.21 whip, and over 10 strikeouts per nine across 159 innings pitched back in 2019. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Jake Odorizzi now that he is in Houston? Mm, meh. <laughs> not not uh, not particularly high on Jake Odorizzi. Uh, he his fastball became oddly effective in that 2019 season with a lot of whiffs generated and the velocity was higher. Um, and even if he's able to sustain that, like he was basically a five inning pitcher. He had a lot of uh, help winning games on that historic season with that historic season the Twins offense had. But I, I wouldn't expect him to sustain that win rate. He's just kind of a just kind of a late round arm who can be useful. The ADP for Jake Odorizzi on Fantasy Pros is three forty two. Chris, how much do you think that moves up now that he has a job? It should. I, I have him two seventy seven, and I'll probably move him up a little bit. He's eighty six in my starting pitcher rankings, but looking at it, he probably needs to move into the top seventy. I, I can't say I'm like gonna have him in the top 50 but um you know i'm looking at like 
Chris Bassett 70. I can probably move Jake Odorizzi ahead of Chris Bassett. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Bassett, but I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that, Chris. Come on. Third time top through the... 70? I don't even have Jordan Montgomery in the top 70. Ah, well, that's where we, we disagree. There you go. Chris, Jordan Montgomery it. Hive right here. <laughs> top 60 starting pitcher. Oof. I like it. I like it. The third time for Jake Odorizzi back in 2019. Third time through the order. A 5.65 ERA. So you're right, Scott. They would... Uh, not let him go deep into games very often, so that would lend itself towards him being a better roto pitcher, assuming that he's effective in the innings that he actually pitches. Um, are we still buying the you know pitchers who go to Houston become awesome kind of thing, or or no? Because they don't have AJ Hinch the cheater as their manager anymore. <laughs> I like I'm sure they could figure something out, and but he's someone who my assumption is that he benefited from in 2019 throwing his fastball up in the zone more um you know because you look at him he's a high fly ball rate pitcher um you know kind of like a marco estrada type i guess where you know he he benefited from a relatively i mean even the bapip wasn't that low it was 300 um he did get some infield fly balls his his success was kind of hard to make sense of um yeah, yeah. It seemed like it could have really just been the profile. Yeah, it could have just been a, a sequencing thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, top seventy. That's it's not really. Even if Scott thinks that's too high, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying there's some pretty good pitchers outside my top seventy, and I, yeah. I don't think I don't think Odorizzi's that good. There's a reason yeah, he only fair. signed now. <laughs> is is there any yeah. other random player that we bring up more than Marco Estrada? I feel like we bring him up once a week. How does that happen? <laughs> it's just like, it's so I don't random. think I've done it yet. To be cool. Well, it's one it's of those things do. where it's kind of like Kyle Hendricks, uh, who gets brought up way more than he probably should as a comparison, where when you're <laughs> yeah. trying to make a point about a player like Marco Estrada, who for years outperformed his peripherals like Kyle Hendricks did, the thing about that is the reason that you have to keep going back to Marco Estrada as that mm-hmm. high fly ball, infield fly ball, weak contact guy, or Kyle Hendricks as that elite contact rate and contact suppression guy is they're the two guys who do it. And that's probably why they're not great comps uh, is it's really, really hard. Like the reason these ERA estimators work so well, uh, even after all we've learned is because they work for like 98% of pitchers most of the time. Mm-hmm. And Marco Estrada was, of course, the exception. Yes. As great as he was. Framer Valdez update. There is no update. He's still holding out hope that he can avoid season-ending finger surgery for the fractured finger that he suffered on his throwing hand. That's according to John Heyman, of course. Uh, sticking with the Astros, pitching prospect Forrest Whitley is a, uh, apparently needs Tommy John surgery but is seeking a second opinion. So there goes that. We brought him up as maybe someone that could fill in for Framber Valdez last week. And it uh, doesn't look like that's going to happen. So sucks there. Uh, Alex Bregman, who is dealing with a hamstring injury, feels about 90%. It seems like him and the team are, are just being super cautious with the injury there. So it's good. Look, this is the time to do it. Get it out of the way. Don't return to spring training in, until you're 100% healthy. How about Cody Bellinger? Is he healthy yet? He has played uh, He played three innings of defense in an intra-squad game on Sunday and is on pace to play in an actual spring training game around March 15th. So I'm sure that will be uh, something 
to pay very close attention to because you have to use a early second round pick, sometimes a late first round pick to get Cody Bellinger in your fantasy league. So we have to make sure that he is healthy. More on him a little bit later on. Uh, what is up with the Indians? They cannot follow COVID protocols. Fran Mil Reyes and Jose Ramirez both violated the team protocols and over the weekend and will be away from the team for a few days. Um, yeah. That's just unfortunate because they had like the whole Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger situation last year. So Fran Mel Reyes also had one last spring. Yeah. Last yeah. Uh, July. Yeah. Uh, and I, Fred, Terry Francona said that the response to the two might not be the same since Reyes is a repeat violator. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but considering they were willing to go as far as to send Plesak and Clevenger down to the minors last year. Um. I, I don't know. I'm a little little worried about what that means for Reyes at the start of the season. Can I go back to one thing real quick? Go ahead. The uh, Frambo Valdez injury. I, I think I, I would assume that uh, Christian Javier will be in the rotation for the Astros to start the season. Um, but with Forrest Whitley out, you know, they're, that's uh, another hit to their pitching depth. I want to point out Luis Garcia, who pitched in relief a little bit last season. Um, one, there could be three Luis Garcias in the majors this season, all of whom theoretically could be fantasy relevant. Uh, the one for the Reds, the one for the Nationals, and, and now this one for the Astros. Um, right? Am I right, Scott? There's definitely one on the Reds. Okay. I thought there was one on the Nationals too. There are there's one on the Nationals. Yeah, that's yeah, probably the there might that's be. probably the most notable prospect wise. He came uh, yeah, Luis Garcia for the Astros um, hasn't, except for last season when he pitched in relief for like 12 innings, he has not uh, pitched above high A, but he put up some pretty good numbers in that time. Um, let me see. Uh, 12.5K per nine in his minor league career. He's a 24-year-old, so just want to throw that out there. Luis Garcia, remember the name, all of them, on the Nationals, <laughs> the Reds, and the Astros. Some velocity readings from the weekend that I thought were pretty interesting. Scott, I know you were paying attention to Patrick Corbin. You wanted to see what that looked like. He threw 14 fastballs on Saturday, and according to Baseball Savant, he averaged 89.9 miles per hour on that pitch. Last year, he was at 90.8 miles per hour with the fastball. This is Patrick Corbin, and that was 92.2 back in 2019. So it's his first start. I guess, you know, there is a chance that he can build up, but yeah, it's not completely ideal, Scott. No, it's not. And it sounds like he's making some changes to the arsenal because he's not convinced that the, the old way is going to work so well anymore, just living off that slider. So he's adding a change up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to be a positive overall either because he kind of took off when he featured the slider so prominently. Uh, So I'm, I'm not encouraged by what I've seen from Patrick Corbin so far this spring and staying away until further notice. Well, would you say the same thing about John means maybe he doesn't mean business Scott because (laughs) his, his uh, velocity over the weekend on the fastball was 92.2 miles per hour last year. And one of the reasons you were, are very excited about him is the fastball velocity went up to 94.2 miles per hour in 2020. So what are we, yeah. are we taking anything away from this with John means? I'm, I'm hesitating to take him uh, even as late as he goes. I mean, obviously there's a big difference between where he goes and somebody like Patrick Corbin goes. Mm-hmm. There's, 
not much risk to taking means at all. Um, but you know, in those 15 team deep roto leagues, it's not quite the last round where you're taking means. So you're, you're giving up something else of value. It is early in spring training. It is common to gain velocity as it, as it plays out, but, uh, working at that velocity, if that's what it is at the start of the year, then I'm not, I'm not going to feel so great about means anymore now. Jamison Tyone, I also wanted to highlight, he averaged 92.4 miles per hour on his four-seam fastballs on Saturday. And the last time we saw Tyone back in 2019, he was averaging 95.2 miles per hour on that pitch. So Tyone, of course, is working his way back from his second Tommy John. So, I mean, it could take even more time for him to build up here. But I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Chris, would you over... you? How do you feel about this? We're not overreacting, are we, Jameson Tyone? No, it's it's still early. I'll give him, you know, another, another couple of outings. He's working his way back. Um, but you know, it, it's certainly worth monitoring because he was not exactly an overpowering guy beforehand. Um, so you know, it's it's something to keep an eye on. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we have more busts here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. So let's just go around the horn here a few times, see how many of these names we can actually get to. But we spoke about a few. <laughs> we've got three busts down so far, so we're on a roll. We have we have a lot of time left, Scott. It's perfectly fine. Let's do it. Scott's, do it. Scott's been very critical of my uh, my pacing lately. I like that. I appreciate uh, well, that. And, and recording it how we do in StreamYard... There's a little clock that plays in the upper left-hand corner. So I'm very aware of how deep we are into the podcast yeah. now. And it's kind of stressing me out. Scott never n- knew this before. So he would just, all right, we could ramble as long as we want. So it doesn't <laughs> matter because I don't have a clock. Uh, all right, Scott, you, it means you, that means you have a few busts to talk about. So give me another yeah, yeah. one, someone you, you're scared about this season. Well, the, the one I'm actually the least likely to draft probably is, 
is Walker Bueller. Uh, he's the one who goes the highest on average, 19th overall. And that's that's really the problem. I mean, he's dr- being drafted amid uh, these aces who you expect to dominate, who you expect to eat a lot of innings. I expect Walker Bueller to do one of those things. I don't expect him to throw a lot of innings. He did not have a single... Uh, I'm trying to remember the stat. He may have had one. He may have had one six-inning start during the regular season last year. Only three in 13, including the postseason. Including the postseason, yeah. He had a couple more in the postseason. Um, The Dodgers have always built him up very slowly. Um, He has actually gone three innings in a start this spring, so I I don't know if that means they're going to change it, but just given their history of how they've coddled him, after a year when he didn't even throw... 60 innings like is this the year he is this the year he takes on an ace workload i sincerely doubt it and i suspect he'll be well short of that i suspect he'll be well short of what aaron nola provides what uh, lucas giolito provides two guys who go after him you know if 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 walker bueller made it to late in round three then okay i'll take a flyer on him because i think he's good but I, I do wonder if he'll have the workload even to live up to that ADP. And I still think it's a risk at that point. And uh, he's outside of my top 12 at starting pitcher because of it. Walker Bueller, yeah. the ADP, according to Fantasy Pros, is 19.2. He is the sixth starting pitcher off the board. I will just note that he was on CBS Sports HQ last week, and they asked him about the workload, and he said, quote, I want to throw as many innings as I can. Obviously, we're going to be a little conservative coming off the shorter season and not go crazy. So do with that what you yeah, will. Yeah, I mean, it's not up to him. Right. <laughs> they got an eight deep rotation. Yeah, he ranks ninth in the majors in ERA since the start of 2018, fifth in whip. He is really, really good. Yep. He's 45th in innings in that time. And even if you include, you know, two deep postseason runs in that time, uh, I think they got kicked out or knocked out in the first round in one of them. Uh, 14 pitchers have surpassed his total innings, including the postseason over the last three seasons. So, um, you know, unless that's going to change this year and it would be a weird year for them to change it. uh, Yeah, he's he's a bust for me, too. I have him as SP 14. Yep. And we are across the board. We all have him in our bus columns and uh, the award winning ATC projections over on Sportsline created by our Buddy Ariel Cohen, who we've had on the podcast a few times before, um, he currently has 25 starting pitchers projected for at least 170 innings this season. Walker Buehler is not one of them. So uh, between the blisters last year, the Dodgers, they want to make a deep run. They have World Series aspirations once again, and they have a lot of depth, too, specifically at the starting pitcher position. So we're not doubting the talent. Walker Buehler is awesome. Chris highlighted some of those numbers, but uh, I I am worried about the workload quite a bit. Chris... Give us another bust here. Uh, Boba Shet. He's 26th in ADP right now. Um, I think it's 26.0, or it was when I... Oh, no, he's 24.2 now. He's moved up mm. a little bit. Not because uh, of you. No, and <laughs> look, I, I there is not actually... Based on what Boba Shet Boba has done in uh, his major league career, there's not really an argument to make against him. Uh, he's on pace for... 32 homers and 16 steals and 307 and a 307 average over 150 game pace. The problem is we're entering his third season and he's played 75 games. Uh, the reason it was so easy for me to do that 150 game pace is because you have to multiply by two. <laughs> um, 
that's just a really, really small sample size. I mean, think about, you know, guys like Luke Voigt in 2018. You know, he played about 50 games for the Yankees. We're, we're, we're in that range for Bo Bichette. Yes, he has a really good track record in the minors, but uh, we're talking about a guy who's had trouble staying healthy so far in the majors. Um, you know, broken hand in 2019, suffered a concussion that ended his season early in 2019. Then he missed nearly a month last season with a knee injury. Now, you know, those are unrelated injuries, so I don't want to hold it against him too much. But when we're talking about, you know, reasons to downgrade guys, it seems like we're overlooking quite a bit for Boba Shett and uh, kind of just expecting him to be a superstar right away. Uh, I don't think he will be. He's got a, a 340 expected Woba so far in his career compared to a 370 mark. So he's overperformed. It's possible that he will continue to overperform, but he's got, you know, pretty bad plate discipline himself. He doesn't strike out a ton. It's, you know, roughly average, but he doesn't walk much either. So I just put it all together and it just, I can't justify spending, you know, a late second round, early third round pick for, for a guy who, you know, might perform like Javier Baez. And that's not a knock on Boba Shed, but Javier Baez mm. is going 50 to 60 picks later. I would I will say this about Bichette and I don't think you were making this comparison but just in, when you compare him versus Javier Baez the plate discipline is obviously a lot better with with Bo Bichette uh, and, and I agree that we've done this before as well Chris that he doesn't have the same type of tools as Fernando Tatis so Tatis was kind of in a similar situation last year because he was coming off 2019 where he only played 84 games so we didn't really know how to judge mm-hmm. him yet he was still being drafted in the second round. And all along, we acknowledge, like, this might be the lowest you could draft Fernando Tatis for the next decade because we know what his upside can be. And maybe it's not the same level of upside, but I feel like Bichette is pretty close. I I think that he can be a five-category contributor. So it's a little bit tougher for me to call him a bust, overvalued, maybe a tad. I think the position that he plays, too, also makes it tough because... There's yeah. just so many good shorts. Yeah, him, him going ahead of Corey Seager is the one that really bothers me. I mean, Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts. Yeah. Like, Xander Bogarts is just consistently excellent. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I'm i not sure he's going to be that much better than Tim Anderson, if he will be. Let's keep those Dodgers fans hating us, and I have been pretty critical of Cody Bellinger, who has an ADP of 14 right now, so you have to use an early second-round pick. And I just want to feel safe with my first couple of picks. I want to feel... You know, like there are no issues. And I don't feel that way about Cody Bellinger. He popped his shoulder out in the postseason last year. We all remember he's doing a little bash bro thing with, I think it was Kike Hernandez at the time after he hit a home run. And uh, he popped his shoulder out and he had surgery back in November. He has yet to appear in a spring training game. And we know uh, there are varying degrees of shoulder injuries, but we've seen it affect players' productions in the past. So, you know, whether it's power or batting average, um, I think that... We could see Cody Bellinger get off to a slow start. Maybe that makes him a buy low early in the season. I don't know. But for whatever reason, uh, the production was down last year with Bellinger. He changed up his batting stance, which seemed like right before the season started. have no idea why, because he won the MVP in 2019. Why would you change something? And uh, the only other thing that bothers me about him is he has struggled against left-handed pitching at times. So two of the past three years, he has had a 681 OPS or less against uh, left-handed pitching. So... I worry about those things with Cody Bellinger. So I, I, I've been looking the other way when it comes to him. Uh, Scott, give us another bust. 
I'm going to double dip here. Okay. Pick the pace a little. Make make an enrage Canada further because we've already <laughs> we've already talked about how Teoscar Hernandez was my biggest bus. Chris was ragging on Bo Bichette. I got Vladimir Guerrero as a bust again. And I think we all probably have Kevin Biggio as a bust. I'll talk about Guerrero first because he's going 48th overall on average now. Like, he he can apparently not lose the confidence of anybody who plays fantasy baseball because every year it seems like his ADP is exactly the same, even though he's, you know, it's only been two years when I say every year, but still, he's underwhelmed. He's underwhelmed. Um, the underlying numbers don't seem to be suggesting that he's on the verge of doing something else. The ground ball rate is still insanely high. Uh, we know he can make really hard contact. He has, you know, his high end exit velocities are some of the best in all of baseball. And for a guy who can hit the ball that hard, he doesn't strike out very much. So there, there are definitely, you know, 22 years old, amazing minor league track record. And with those skills, they're, it's a Fernando Tatis argument where one of these years he's going to go off and this may be the last time you could get him as late as round four. But like, you're passing up Tim Anderson, you're passing up um, Starling Marte, Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo, like some guys who, provided they stay healthy, are going to provide huge numbers, huge numbers for, you know, the chance that this is the year Carrero figures it out. I understand he's lost a lot of weight. I understand he says he's feeling great. He's feeling as good as 2018 when he hit nearly 400 in the minors. Maybe this is the year, but like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the reward justifies the risk that early in the draft. Give giving up what you're giving up. Like that's if if he's just the same Guerrero he's been for the last two years, and you used your fourth round pick on him, that's that's a pretty big hole to to climb out of. Well, Scott, are there any Blue Jays hitters you do like? <laughs> sure there are. Sure there are. George Springer, the one who hasn't yeah, played George for the Blue Springer. Jays yet. That's it. That's the whole answer. Yeah, I think that's probably it, right? Yeah, that's probably it. Should I Have I monopolized too much time? or? No, go ahead. Can I get to Kevin Biggio? Talk about him. I mean, Chris has a lot of good things to say about Kevin Biggio. Basically, he doesn't hit the ball that hard. He really sells out for fly balls, which has worked for him uh, so far. Enough of those fly balls have crept over the fence. There is a new ball this year that we haven't seen him play yet in spring training, so we really don't know how that new ball is going to play. It's supposed to be deader than the last ball. Uh, he's still playing in a good park in Dunedin, Florida, so, you know, and I, I think it's especially good for left-handed hitters, so maybe that'll neutralize the effect of the ball. But the bottom line is, like, he's, he was barely eking it out as it is. Like, you could have called him a bust even before the new ball came into play because it wouldn't take much for um, for those fly balls to not be home runs, and then they're just draining his batting average further, the batting average that's already an issue. He's not particularly fast, right? But he has a great stolen base success rate. Like, that's that's not something... Like right now he profiles as like a 240-25-15 guy, right? I would say for Bichette. Um, and like if he loses anything off of that, it's going to be hard to say he's a starting caliber player in mixed leagues. I wrote um, 
a column last week that was basically just like the players you should target instead of the higher price stars. And it's basically trying to identify production profiles with that were similar going later in drafts. And I know you guys weren't going to like one of these, but it was Trent Grisham and Kevin Biggio who right. uh, have very similar uh, projections from the ATC projections. And the guys who are going later than them, who I who I profiled here with similar projections or production profiles, Austin Meadows, who I think you know we all agree, um, you know, in the late '90s is really good. I know I'm kind of on an island on Byron Buxton, but I don't think he, I don't think Grisham and Biggio have more steal or home run potential than Byron Buxton. They're safer. Um, Tommy Edmond doesn't have the power, but the stolen base potential is there. Ramon Laureano is sort of being forgotten. Uh, he put up a very similar season to what we're hoping for, for Kevin Biggio and Trent Grisham. And Aaron Hicks, another guy, doesn't have quite the stolen base potential, but will be a contributor in both power and steals. I wanted to highlight him because he's you know potentially batting third for the Yankees, which could be an awesome spot. Um, so for me, it's like you're paying for the steals and the power there, but with Biggio... Even like he's 72nd percentile in, in sprint speed last season, which is good, but not great. Um, you know, he's 20 for 20 in steals in the majors. And I think people are looking at that and saying, well, he's been so good. He's got 20 steals in 170 something games. He'll be a 20 steal guy. Well, he'll probably be like an 80% success rate, rate guy moving forward at best. You know, that that's really hard to do consistently. So right there, you're probably talking about more 15, 16 steals. Uh, he's probably more like an 18 to 20 homer guy. And yeah, like Scott said, it's just the margin for error is very slim to the point where I could see Scott Kingery putting up a similar season mm-hmm. uh, to Kevin Biggio. Nick Senzel, actually, what he's done in the majors isn't that much different than Kevin Biggio, except for the the runs. So I, it's it's a premium price to pay for a profile that has value, but is not nearly guaranteed. And and I, I do want to point out too, like if, if we're talking a dynasty scenario, uh, like I'm, I'm not giving up Guerrero or Bichette in a dynasty of scenario. Course. Sure. Um, you know, we don't talk about dynasty as much as we should probably. And I know sometimes people follow up asking, uh, would you do this trade in a dynasty league after a player we just talked about not liking the value of? Mm-hmm. Like, Bichette and Guerrero are going to be huge assets for the Blue Jays and for your fantasy team for a long time. Yeah, It's just, you know, for this year, are they going to live up to their ADP? More likely, they won't than they will. Yeah, and definitely we'll say the same thing about Bo Bichette and Dynasty. Like, we're excited about him. It's just in redraft, yeah. you, you do have to pay a premium for some of these players, and, and that's, you know, predominantly the the leagues that people play in and, and the advice that they have is is in the are in these seasonal redraft leagues, so... That is, is why we highlight that quite a bit. Chris, why don't you give us another bust? Uh, Nolan Arenado. I, I, it's another one where I don't think the bottom's going to fall out. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave course field and all of a sudden be a scrub. You know, you look at his road OPS and it's sub 800. I don't think he's going to be that guy. But uh, I think there's still a lot of name value being attached to Nolan Arenado. You know, I, I, my initial thought when the trade happened was, Oh, he might drop into like the 50 range, in which case, oh, maybe I'll buy Nolan Aronado. But he's, uh, you know, I think 26th right now. Uh, yeah, 27.6 in ADP. That's too much to pay for a guy who I think is just going to be 
more like a normal third baseman. Um, you look at the projections and they mostly agree. They He's projected to be more like a 270, 30 homer guy. I think the runs in RBI will still be pretty good, uh, but they'll no longer be elite. Um, I'd rather have Anthony Rendon than him. I'd rather have Alex Bregman than him. I'd rather have Rafael Devers than him to name three guys who are going later. I, I would rather have those guys pretty easily uh, than him. I think for me, Arenado is more in the Eugenio Suarez range. And I'm not sure Eugenio Suarez shouldn't be ranked higher They're not than Arenado right now. Uh, I think that's a little bit because Eugenio Suarez is being a little undervalued. But, um, you know, I do have Arenado ahead of him, but I have him 69th overall compared to Suarez at 71st. So I mentioned this last week, Chris, but we're doing this great fantasy baseball invitational draft. It's an industry league with a bunch of analysts and 15 team five by five standard roto with batting average. And I got Nolan Arenado at pick 52. So you talked about yeah, him. Like that's fine. Yeah. I, I, and I felt good about it. He was the second hitter on my team. I paired him up with Tim Anderson. I started with two starting pitchers and I felt good. I said, all right, a little bit of power to pair up with Tim Anderson. Um, and I, and I felt all right about that. I will point out over the last two weeks in NFBC ADP, Arenado's ADP is a uh, 40.3. So that's a little more reasonable. He has dropped from that 27. I don't think you're going to see him go in the third round of a 12 team league much anymore, but probably closer to that, you know, fourth, maybe even fifth round range at times in a, in a 12 team league. Let's, let's try and hit some rapid fire. Whoever else we want to quickly mention here, Scott, any, any other bust? Yeah. Uh, I think Luis Robert has bottom out potential. The plate discipline is awful. Um, he, we saw how bad he was in September of last year. It was just, I mean, he bas- we, we basically saw what the worst of Luis Robert looks like in that second month last year. Um, and he, his, his, his like average exit velocity isn't even that high. It's, it's below, it's like in the 80, it's like 88%. It's, it's similar to, um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to cite exact numbers and do rapid fire here, and it's not going very well. It's it's very much like the Fernando Tatis argument last year. Yeah, 87.9 is the average exit velocity for Luis Robert last year, and in September he 136 with a 409 OPS, and the plate discipline is awful. Um, maybe he blows up and he's a top five pick next year, but like you're giving up a lot to take him where he's going now. Chris, you have any other busts you want to talk about? Yeah, Tyler Glass now. Uh, he's 52.6 in ADP right now. And, you know, for one thing, Corbin Burns is going later than him. And I think they're going to be very similar pitchers. Um, I don't think people realize that Tyler Glass now, since going on the IL in 2019, he missed four months with a forearm strain. Uh, since then, his walk rate is 10.6%. He has a 461 ERA and a 123 whip over 23 starts. Um, that's including the postseason. He was bad in the postseason last year. Um, Very bad. You're kind of just like the only thing he's guaranteed to give you is strikeouts. But given workload concerns, you know, he's he's thrown 153 innings and 31 starts, including the postseason over the last two seasons. Um, that's not very much. You know, even if he made 31 starts this season, if he gave you 153 innings, that's a pretty low number. So I, I just like, if he does that, he'll give you 200 strikeouts. That's the only thing I feel confident 
in saying about him. And he's a pretty big risk to even get to 150 innings. Um, I would rather have Tyler Glass now than Denelson Lamette, who is currently hurt. At least Tyler Glass now is presently healthy. Um, or I guess Lamette is not presently hurt, but you know, he certainly yeah. has more risk than Glass now. But if I'm looking for that profile, I think I'd rather just wait. I mean, it's like four rounds in ADP, but uh, you know, it's been a lot more than that in recent drafts. I think for for Lamette. Um, so yeah, I would Glass now in the in the fifty range. I'm, I'm not really touching this year. I would rather have Corbin Burns in that same range. Glass now in the postseason. You mentioned this, Chris, but it, he pitched twenty eight and two thirds innings, twenty earned runs. That's a six point two eight ERA, five point three walks per nine. So. The, the control has been a massive issue for one Tyler Glass now. Scott, anyone else you wanted to hit? Bust? Oh, man. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, Chris Bassett, the fact he's the 51st starting pitcher off the board ahead of ahead of a lot of really exciting pitchers like Tyler Malley, uh, Jamison Tyone, but even, even some fellow boring types like uh, Herman Marquez and Dallas. Like... Come on, what are we doing with Chris Bassett? I understand he had a low ERA last year. I understand he won five games, but like, look at the supporting numbers. Look at the XFIP. Look at the XERA. Look at the track record. Like, it's not like he became a strikeout pitcher suddenly. He's 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 a jag. Chris Bassett's a jag. It's very likely if you draft him, he won't be on your roster for very long because you'll find something more interesting to use. Mm. If you have other ones you want to just rattle off, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, Christian Javier, I have a lot of doubts about his sustainability. Also not a big strikeout pitcher. Depends on weak contact. Uh, Kyle Lewis, you know, it's funny. His September was about as bad as Luis Roberts was last year. And yet it was just slightly enough better that he won the rookie of the year between the two of them. But they were both awful. And... Uh, Ra, uh, Lewis, the strikeout improvement he showed in August, it, it all, it all collapsed in, in September. He was striking out more than 35% of the time again. Um, so I just wonder what kind of profile, what, what kind of hitter he's going to profile as in the long run. It's, there have been a lot of strikeouts, uh, from what we've seen of him so far in the majors. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned Nelson Lamette a few times. But that's obviously bottom out potential there. He was throwing sliders this weekend in a, a simulated start, so that is a good sign. But it still things like seems like it could end suddenly, given the concerns over his elbow. Yeah, he he did go 119th in my uh, TGFBI draft, Nelson Lamette. That's that's one of the things that is making me back off of him a little bit as a bus call, but like. He's not the kind of guy where if he gets through three spring training starts, I'm going to feel a lot better about him. Uh, the injury risk is still there. And so, oh. like, if he's going 120th now that we haven't seen him pitching in games, that makes me think he'll probably creep back up into the top 100 if he makes it through a few starts. Yeah. In which case, I'll, he, he will be back on a bus list. But right now, I'd be fine with him in that range. Kenley Jansen, it seems like he loses his job every postseason and gets it back every spring. <laughs> and one of these years, I think he's going to lose it before they get to the postseason. Once again, thrown around 90 this spring. Uh, AJ Pollock hit way too many home runs last year to believe that he can sustain that pace. And it wasn't 
Long before that, he was considered just a part-timer. Dodgers still have a lot of alternatives, a lot of different directions they could go in the outfield. Uh, I do worry about Dominic Smith. Just how like it seems like he's only playing DH this spring. Every time I look at a box score, is it DH? And how is he going to get better in left field if they're not even letting him play out there when it doesn't matter? You know, I don't know what's going on with that, but I worry about it. Dylan Moore, definitely bottom out potential there. I understand why he goes where he does. He just fits such a perfect need there right in the middle of drafts. And if it works out, great. But, I mean, obviously he could he could turn back into a pumpkin after coming out of nowhere last year. Zach Eflin, I could see those strikeouts just disappearing. Like, just poof. And he's back to being a jag himself. Um... I do wonder if the hype on Aaron Savali is totally justified. You know, he was whoa, whoa, pretty whoa. awful in the stretch last year. Scott, I thought we talked this out. I thought we, you know, I thought we were excited now. Come on. No, I mean, I, I get the argument for him. It's just, I mean, he's like the 60th pitcher off the board. So it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I I think he could be a jag too, given his strikeout rate, given that he doesn't get many ground balls. Um, Ouch! I'm sorry. I think How there dare are a lot you? Of potential jags out there. He had a 6.62 ERA over his last six starts last year. Aaron Savale did. All right. How about Max Freed? Yeah, I think he's overvalued. I don't think 74, 75.4 overall, 24th starting pitcher. Yeah, uh, hasn't shown the strikeout rate growth. Basically, last year, he was fueled by weak contact in a way that is incredibly hard to sustain. Yeah. Uh, and the guy going right behind him, Zach Plezak, SP25. Eight starts uh, worth of pitching at that level, and we're drafting him as a top 25 starting pitcher. No thank you for me. Um, I will... Uh, where was... Uh, Matt Olson? I don't love at 85.4. Salvador Perez at 88. I just... You hate Matt Olson, man. I don't hate Matt Olson. I just when he like... Hits 260 with 40 home runs this year. That would be great. Yeah, uh, it, will be. it will be great. It would be, yeah. Uh, let's see him do it <laughs> before we you know, actually say he's going to do it. Um, I mean, he's been that guy for more of his career than not. I actually think Olson's one of the most undervalued under, Valued players in the draft this year, so that's why yeah. I stick up for him specifically. Fight. I'd rather fight. Have, I'd rather have Joey Gallo fifty picks later. Um, he's undervalued too. Yeah, he's crushing. Uh, well, that's what. But that's what I mean is that that type of player tends to get undervalued in a way that I don't think is as true of Matt Olson. Um, uh, Salvador Perez, eighty eighth overall. I just I can't pay that much for for a catcher who for his entire career has basically just been someone you're getting 25 homers from. Um, I just, I don't think he stands out nearly enough. That's just positional scarcity. I'd rather have Will Smith going 14 picks later. Alec Bohm uh, at 108.8. That's just too early for a guy who may not stand out anywhere. Um, Mike Yastrzemski at 116 seems a little rich. Uh, so, you know, there's busts out there. There are endless amounts of, yeah, some of these guys are more overvalued, but again, they kind of fall into the same bucket anyway. Those are your busts for the season. 
in 2021. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.